Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. It's true, it's Fantasy Focus Baseball on a beautiful Tuesday morning, February 11, 2020. Don't forget your loved ones this week. It's Valentine's Day week. Anyway, he's historic fantasy baseball league winner Tristan, ready to share his knowledge and expertise with vigor. We also have versatile Kyle Soppy, researching and producing with grit, tenacity. And I'm Eric. I just read the ads when we have them. Um, long national nightmare is over. Well, one of them. Mookie Betts is a Dodger. Boston has a Jeter. Seems fitting. Ah. We're going to talk fantasy baseball on today's show, and I believe that one of us is not wearing pants, but we're in three different places, so I don't know which one is that person. Do you know? Yikes. I'm going into hiding. <laughs> well, as long as somebody <laughs> comes to your door. Anyway, here is the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ever so briefly, Tristan, any lasting thoughts on the ridiculousness of the Mookie Betts trade and the non-Jock Peterson trade? Um, I thought Boston did better with the prospects they got in the second revision. Don't understand why the Angels don't want Jock Peterson, but any lasting thoughts here? I'd agree. It was a better deal for Boston in the current uh, mold. Uh, I kind of like Jeter Downs being involved in that trade. I, I feel like there's there's a path to him playing in Boston relatively soon so i definitely want to keep an eye on it there it was kind of interesting from a dynasty perspective there uh and we'll see how verdugo does in the outfield three lefties and him stepping in for bets now it's been a long time since we've been doing regular shows but it's pronounced dynasty and i need you to get it right or else i'm gonna throw you off the show uh. Um, hey, uh, you know, I'm just warming up. Pitchers and catchers are only just reporting. Give me a break here. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's, that's kind of cool. I like when they report and we see highlights of people in warm weather when we're not in warm weather. But um, And then yes. the games start like two weeks? The games start a week from Thursday. Week They're from in, Thursday. Uh, nine days. All right, and then we'll be down in Florida for the, uh, what is it called? First, I want to get it right. That was First Pitch Florida? First Pitch Florida, yeah. Baseball HQ is doing First Pitch Florida based off the First Pitch Arizona fall conferences. Actually, they did some spring ones that they did where they rotate around the country. But, yeah, it's hosting labor, legal alternative baseball reality, you and me. Right, so February 28th through March 1st or 2nd, um, tickets are still available. You and me and our boss will all be there. It should be a lot of fun. And, uh, anyway, now we're going to spend the next half hour talking about Garland Garcia being claimed by the Giants. Unless you want to talk about the Daniel Mengden elbow surgery, which one would you rather discuss? <laughs> I'd rather talk about Mengden's elbow surgery, but even that, I don't think it's going to move the needle. There were a couple of minor things of that needle, were worth yeah. quick hits. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the weird Tampa Bay trade. I don't understand what they're doing this offseason. So they trade away. I mean, they have enough relief pitching, but they also have enough outfield. They pick up Manuel Margot from Emilio Pagan, and my first thought is good for Nick Anderson. Only eight relief pitchers had 100 strikeouts last year. Nick Anderson, who somehow Florida traded away to Tampa, makes no sense. Um, Nick Anderson, and now he's old. He's for a rookie. He's like twenty nine. But um, Nick Anderson should get saves now, right? And Emilio Pagan will not. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I I feel more interested in drafting Nick Anderson than I did Pagan uh, being in Tampa. Uh, and I don't think Pagan is really draft worthy at all. And and that wasn't true for Anderson. He was absolutely draft worthy behind Pagan in Tampa Bay. Uh, as you mentioned, the strikeouts are great. The peripherals outstanding. 
I see plenty of reason for him to repeat there. He's in it's a pitcher's park. I mean, we don't we probably don't talk about that enough about how much Tropicana Field leans towards pitching. So that's another big plus for him. I'm all on board. I can make you the case that he's a top 10 uh, relief pitcher right now. I agree. I think you could make the case that Nick Anderson is this year's Kirby Yates. That's a lot of strikeouts and hmm. potentially a lot of saves. Now, Tampa Bay could, I suppose, you know, use others to save games, like what they what they intended to do last season. Right. But they could mix and match. They could certainly go committee, treat Nick Anderson like a one-plus inning relief pitcher that they don't want to lock him into the ninth. They could throw Diego Castillo, Jose Alvarado. They could throw Colin Boucher in there. Yeah, They've yeah. got options, but Anderson's got to be the lead of this group. And when you, even when you have a committee, I think that the, the best arm, kind of like Josh Hader in Milwaukee, is still going to rise to the top and get you 20, 25 saves in the, the worst-case scenario. Right, and Tampa Bay's turned over some of their outfield this season. I, Margot doesn't matter in fantasy. I mean, he probably didn't before. And San Diego filled his spot by signing Juan Lagares. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. yeah a defense yeah. first well, guy who can't they hit. Didn't, they didn't really fill his spot. They have uh, kind of a, well, a lot of center? outfielders. Franchi Cordero? Will Myers? I mean, they don't really have a natural center fielder. No, no. Which is, you know, I mean, eventually it'll be Taylor Trammell. But, uh, you know, they could yeah, use Grisham point. a little bit there. They, they've got options to shuffle in for the outfield that I don't think they're going to be in much of an issue. You know, the, the Margot thing landing in Tampa Bay was... Curious to me just because there's a good defensive center fielder already ahead of him on the depth chart and Kevin Kiermeyer. So all he is 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 just the fallback, the the insurance policy. Is there anybody you've been as wrong about over the last three years as I have been on Manuel Margot? And I, I admit it. I thought he was going to be a monster. I thought he would hit 25 home runs, steal 25 bases, hit 280. Like, I thought he'd be really good. He's not really good. Oh gosh, there. I'm. I'm sure there's. A I mean, because we don't, uh, we don't want to tell Dylan, people that Dylan we're right Bundy, about everything. Byron Buxton. Buxton, yes. I, you know, I mean, there there've been a few guys I've been that I've whiffed badly. On. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why Marco hasn't played better, but I don't know. He's not going. He's never going to have. Well, I don't want to say never. I mean, there's there's late bloomers all over the place. But um, anyway, wasting time. Let's go around the infield now. And and do you care about Jock Peters? I assume he's still going to get traded at some point. Dodgers well, don't really need him. Yeah. So the problem is that, that now that Mookie Betts is in L.A., there's a playing time problem in the outfield. And I, I point this out all the time that the Dodgers like to play their, their matchups. They like to go lefty and righty, and Peterson fits that great. But he needs to be playing every single game against a right-handed starter in the, the leadoff spot. Right, I mean, so he put up... I yeah. mean, you and I talked about it last time. Top five numbers in terms of home runs and, and uh, isolated power against right-handed pitchers last year. Somebody will pick him up. Uh, you know, decent contract. I think I think we're going to see a trade. So I have three news items here that Kyle put on the research sheet. One is Jock Peterson, then the Mar- Margot for Pagan trade, and Tyler Chatwood. Then the important one. Nah. The season as a star. I just don't get it. And and what is going on here? And obviously others have sourced this well. But on a serious note, Tristan, because you foolishly drafted him in our sim league. Let's not comment why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe you did that. Okay. Anyway, okay. So anybody who's Microsoft some... Excel has occasionally had a slight filter problem. And sorry, Kyle, <laughs> Tyler Chatwood is mine because of a filter problem. You know, but like, I, so you texted me last night who you intended to take, and he wasn't even on my list either. So it was weird. I guess really, it's it's interesting that we evaluate players differently. You know, you yeah. and I, yeah. Whether it's a fantasy league or a sim league or whatever it is, like that's a good thing. Dude, you and I don't always agree. We don't agree on the number one pick. There's video of us making fools of themselves on that one. Um, <laughs> and then, like, we don't agree on which, you know, player we want. Anyway, oh, for, for reals, is there a possibility 
that Tyler Chadwick, who we talk about all the time on this show because he's Kyle's cousin, is there a possibility he could be a top 40 starting pitcher? There's a strikeout rate that's interesting there. There's a rotation spot locked up. He just has to control his command, his control, right? It's it's control, yeah. And it's I not mean, command. He, it's it's he doesn't know where the ball is going. Yeah, he improved it substantially last year. <laughs> if you were making a list of ten sleeper starting pitchers, which that would be one of them? Of how many? Well, to ten's obviously not enough. <laughs> uh, but, give me give me a large number. Let's keep going. Throw try, throw some. Well, I mean, I'm just I, I, again, I don't want to waste time on this. But like, if I took pitchers outside, say your top, I don't even know where if you have them ranked outside of your top hundred, okay. I assume he's not in your He'll be on that list. We we could make a short list where I'd throw a dart. I mean, if I'm looking at sleeper starting pitchers, I mean, Mitch Keller is at the top. I don't care what he did in the majors last year. I love him. I think he's going to be good. I think you ought to be patient there. If you're talking about a a veteran guy who has slipped beyond, like, I don't understand how you have Cole Hamels 105. I don't know where I have him ranked, but I don't have Cole Hamels 105. I probably have him like 60 or 70. Um, Garrett Richards, if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Annabelle Sanchez, you have 119. He was fine last year. He's top 75. Josh Lindblom, I want to see what he does. Right. There's, there's a got, lot of starting pitchers on my list. I think Chatwood might be one of them, to be serious. Yeah, and I mean, Chatwood's problem compared to any of these is the walks. I said he improved that number last year, but that's like improving the league's worst to yeah. not quite the worst, but one of them. <laughs> Hey, it's growth, okay? Growth mindset over here. Uh, you know, in his defense, he's got amazing competition for that fifth starter job because the Cubs sunk tons of money into that rotation. You know, when you have Alec Mills and Colin Ray as your competition, you know, it's and, pretty tough there. And they could, that NL Central should be really interesting this year. It season. should. It should. They're not trading Chris Bryant enough with that. It just, it's going to be an interesting race because the Cubs didn't get, get, gain anything, but they didn't need to gain a whole lot. Anyway, let's go around the, the infield now and maybe next week on Wednesday we'll do the outfielders. Starting with catchers, um, you've got Real Muto at number 75 and Gary Sanchez at 105 and Grandel at 157, which seems odd to me because I actually consider Grandel as the number one catcher overall. Um, probably late, you know, like, like round nine or eight or nine or ten or something like that. Why the big difference? I guess that's my first question. I'm going to attack your rankings because I'm the host. Why the big difference in Real Muto and Grandal? So, I think if it was a a non ESPN non traditional rotisserie league and one that had two catchers, I'd I'd appreciate the safety of Grandal more. I think he's a considerably safer pick than Sanchez. Sanchez's issue is the injuries, but the power upside is monstrous, and I would argue it's easily the best at this position. Um, if he's healthy for I'd say 130 games, which is asking a lot, it's 40 homers in, in the bank. And that's something you can't say for any of these other guys. And he's got the right ballpark for it. I just, I do question, can he stay healthy for even a hundred? So my rankings actually are posted. I have Real Motor 96 and Grandal 107. So I considered either or. Do you wait for catchers? In ESPN standard leagues, only one catcher is needed. I ain't getting Real Muto, Grandal, Sanchez, Contreras, any of these guys. I'm waiting until probably the last round, and I'm going to draft mm-hmm. somebody like Omar Narva- Narvaez, Christian Vasquez, um, Perhaps Sean Murphy of Oakland, Yadier Molina, who I do every year. Last year wasn't a good time to do that. But yep. what's your overall strategy in ESPN leagues where you need one catcher and in other leagues, real leagues, like uh, NFPC, for example? Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to throw you one thing. Is what was your number on Sanchez? What do you mean my number? Oh, it was right, it was right after Grendel. It's like okay. 110. So, so I, I have him in the range. So it's a tier of three, effectively. But I don't which, want him. Like, which, I, I think he could hit 210, too, and that scares me. 
Yes, and and uh, well, I do think the batting average is coming up. I think the injuries really had had caused an awful lot of that. But to me, it is kind of a tier three. I will point out that I think Real Muto is head and shoulders above this this group. Do I want to pay that price to get him? Probably not. Not in our game. If it is a two-catcher league, I probably am going to, as long as the bidding doesn't get outrageous. If Real Muto is being treated like a top 40 overall pick in a two-catcher, 15-team NFBC style, I'm going to pass on that. I'd rather take some of the the lesser names. There are some intriguing names. You mentioned those. I'll say Danny Jansen showed some hints late last year that, that considering the very, very low price, you know, maybe something's there. Uh, Francisco Mejia, I love the bat. I think he's going to get a decent amount of playing time. I think he'll work his way into that. I'd, I'd take a look at him. Tom Murphy in Seattle, you and I talked about him a lot. We like his bat. I don't know about the playing time necessarily because of his defense. But th- these are guys that are going to cost you very little in comparison, and they've got profit potential. If I was thinking sleepers and busts, and I, we should be, I think Mejia is going to be a bust. I don't think he's... I, I, he, not that he's had a ton of plate appearances in the majors to show us that he can hit, but I'm just not sure he's ever going to hit. Uh, so, so the, it's a bust from a career stance, you think? I, well, I just I don't know if I you have him ranked. Is that me? I have him the number fourteen catcher unranked in my top three hundred. Um, I just I don't know if I if I'm taking a chance on a catcher that late. I mean, I guess there's upside there, of course, but I just. You don't even have you have worse worse rank than I do. I have one spot worse than you. I, I'd look at it this way: we're we're both probably going to look at what his role is and how he's hitting during spring training. He's going to have to earn our trust in order to be a draftable ten team ESPN standard catcher. Like I like Robinson Chirinos. It's seventeen homers every year. You know consistency. I don't care how old he is. Anyway, he's he's, he's an fine. adequate fallback. There, there's really no profit potential in and Robinson stream. Chirinos. Just stream the position. Get the hot whoever's that hot. Is, we don't. We will not agree on streaming catchers. Streaming. Why? Catchers if you're waiting until strategy. the last round to stream catchers, why wouldn't you? I mean, last round to draft a catcher. You take Yadi Molina. He gets hurt in mid-April. Then you pick up Robinson Torinos or Danny Jansen, and just whoever's hot. There's always going to be a catcher in an ESPN one catcher league. Okay, but that's chasing catchers. That's not streaming catchers. Streaming catchers is a terrible strategy because you're putting yourself at risk of each and every day having to pick guys from a terrible pool that sinks your batting average. To me, I don't think that's the way to go. I'd almost think in our game where it allows you to leave the spot blank, there are days that I'd leave the spot blank. I think it's better to go with, as you describe, wait until the end of the draft, chase some streaks. Maybe you have three different catchers who patch the entire season, but to me, that's not streaming. All right, well, you win your league, so people should listen to what you said and not what I said. We're our in space. agreement on the strategy, though. Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're not, not going to stream. You're not going to pick from a pool of three dozen catchers to cover your year. I'm going to take Yachty Molina or Robinson Chirinos in the last round, probably, only because I, they make me take a catcher. Um, infield. What's the deepest infield spot for fantasy? I think it's third base. I think third base is exceedingly deep. Could be. So let's start there. Um, third base does look deep. Shortstop looks pretty deep to me as well. Yes. But um, So third base. All right. Let's start with this. Alex Bregman. Did you downgrade him at all after the fiasco offseason of sign stealing? Yes, because initially I wanted to make the case for a top five overall pick, and now he's at the back end of my top ten. I still think he's a first-round talent, uh, and that's you, you know we're talking marginal. We're talking about five to eight RBIs. He loses a homer or two. That's what changes the ranking I don't from think, fifth to ninth. Why would that change anything? He had I, more walks than K's. He's going to be fine. Because I think there is going to be an overall team, an adverse impact on the team. And when that happens, it does shave a hint off your plate appearances, a hint off your runs in RBI. Um, Arenado doesn't look like he's getting traded. You love Devers. I saw you took him in a league we've already drafted. There is depth here. We've got, you've got five third basemen in your top 22, and Machado and Bryant aren't among them, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
Chris Bryant has become overrated in fantasy. I think people are assuming, and again, we're trying to, I'm not forced things here, but sleepers and busts, if Chris Bryant is going in the top 30 of your league, that's a bust, people. He had 31 home runs last year, but he doesn't steal bases anymore. He's not hitting 300 anymore. Um, he only knocked in 77. I have concerns, I guess, about missing playing time. Um, he might be on the trade block also. I don't know. I just, I don't feel it. You know, I mean, that's gut. You know, I was in a league where somebody pointed out, like, I followed my gut for years. My gut on Chris Bryant tells me he's not going to do what he, what you think he's going to do. Yeah. And I'm curious whether you have him ranked sooner or later than I do at 39 for Bryant, because I'm, I agree with you. I think there is some downside involved, and I think it has to do with the batting average. The 262 he turned in could be repeated. Uh, his line drive numbers and his hard contact numbers have declined kind of incrementally, but that's not a good trend. I'm 49. I feel better about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other so-, so the king of Babip this past season was Yohan Moncada. Um, I have oh, cons- geez. well, he, it was a 402 Babip, wasn't it? it Second best since World War II. So what does that tell us? Why do we keep pointing out batting average on balls in play to the to to the new listeners, the one or two of them, who are thinking, what are they talking about? Yo, my God, had a monster year. It can only get better. Why does Babbitt matter? Because once you put the ball in play, the defense has an impact on that. And I know that shifting does influence that nowadays where it didn't in the past. But you, you can't have you, – you just cannot have a batted ball success rate greater than 40%. Historically speaking, that is not – you know that, that that's not a repeatable skill. As we just mentioned, second best number among qualified batter, uh, hitters since World War II. Um, it's going to regress probably closer to the league average of 30%, 300 BABIP. Uh, I would say he's capable of doing a little bit better than that. He did show some signs of skills growth, but the batting average is going to come down. So he hits 260? No, not necessarily. I think there's the danger that the that happens. Rate. That's a that's a strikeout rate, people. What? I mean, his strikeout rate is he lowered it, if memory serves. Yes, yeah, it's yes. He impro- he's improved the contact rate. Yeah. All right. Um, one last question on third base, then do sleepers and bust real quickly. Vlad. A year ago, we had Vlad Guerrero number thirty. Now we have him like ninth round. What changed with Vlad? If he had, I I say this to you all the time. If he hadn't played in the majors last year, we would love him a lot more. But remember what Mike Trout did his first year in the majors? It was nothing. Everybody gave up. Why are we're not giving up on Vlad ranking him eighty eight? But why the big change? So, to me, it's not a huge change. I actually had him ranked between fifty and seventy five, depending on where things were looking on his role during spring training. I have him eighty eighth right now, which isn't a lot of loss in value. Part of that has to just do with the depth of third base. There are so many names here that there's no need to pay the premium to get Vlad. But I'm a buyer, and I'd argue that I'm a big-time buyer. Uh, I, I think he's learned some lessons from last year. He did show some decent performance with the bat. I think there is growth based on his young age. And the other thing, too, is he spent his offseason working on his conditioning. I, I like when I hear stories like that. It's not so much the matter of the best shape of my life. It's that I'm committed to this one part of my game that people have questioned that I'm going to improve it. You're, I understand everything you're saying, okay? But your ranking tells me you don't want him. I have him 66. You have him 88. You're not getting him in round nine, Tristan. So if you really like Vlad, you got to move him up your rankings or your rankings lie. I, I Everything you said, I agree with. I think he's going to be great. Monster. He may I, move to DH or first base in a year or two, but 
You're not getting him in round nine. Yeah, that's fair. And I'll tell the market I don't really care what you think. I'm, I mean, I think that's his true valuation, and I think that's a very good valuation. If people want to read that number 88 and think that that means I'm pessimistic on him, okay, I, that's what my projection tells me. That's what I'm going to pay. Sleepers and bust based on rankings here. I'm um, just going briefly, and if you see one, just yell it out. Gio Urshela, I think he does it again. So the fact that you you am ranked 270, I know I am ranked higher than that. I don't know where. Oh, I am 157. We really disagree on Gio Urshela. So maybe on a future show when we have time, you can tell me what you don't buy. But I, that's a guy who's going to, I think, have another good year. I'm totally in on Gio Urshela playing 140 games at third base. We're still not going to play the other guy, the non-fielder. And um, I'm in on Urshela. So I am in round 16, and you have him unranked, basically. Um, yeah. Well, I don't, then you I don't, don't buy. dislike him. I don't. I don't dislike him. And your I, ranking I quite... says you dislike him. No, not necessarily. Well, my ranking says I like him too much. Bust Yuli Gurriel. At least half those home runs barely scraped the wall. That's a guy I would be concerned, but not because of sign stealing. Um, Matt Carpenter is not going to bounce back. Scott Kingery is not as good as you think. Remember, I don't remember exactly what the stat was, but man, his last couple months were not good, and he's not a patient hitter to start with. I love him. He's a Philly, but. Not a fan from fantasy aspect. Tommy Edmond, will he play enough to be worth drafting at all? I, I think he will. I think they're going to use him in a super utility role, and I think they are going to have a pretty easy time maximizing his value. I think it's going to be a similar volume to last year, except that it happens from the start, and that's a big positive. Uh, I mean, at 219, I guess I'm not ranking him all that well, but that's a very clear draftable player even in the 10-team standard, I think that's a pretty big positive. And if I ever wrote a story on five guys who have never hit 50 home runs before that could do it, Miguel Sano would lead the list. And we, have, we both probably have him ranked outside the top 100, so that's interesting. Not by much. Not by much, but Not that's a much. guy That's a guy with the potential to be a monster. So <laughs> Sano falls a little bit into the Urshela uh, basket with me, and that is, what's the role? I, I like Ooh, volume. He's going to play every day. Mm, really? So Sano's not going to play. Miguel Sano's not going to play every day. Tristan, he's going to hit 40 home runs this year. Batting sixth or seven. Injury questions over the years, and they do have a very, very stacked roster. They don't have... Not losing at-bats to Marwin Gonzalez, who, the, who got his contract based on that 2007. So Nationals Gonzalez season. will sit 100% of the time, so Sano can play 100% of the time. I mean, you know, it, it, they are incremental differences I'll say 130 here. games. Okay? There, I'm not going to give you 160, but that's a 40 home run. He's guy. never played more than 116. Yeah, that's a factor. That's yeah. a fair factor. I, I just wrote, I'll put it this way. I just wrote Eduardo Rodriguez's profile pointing out you how important him. volume is. All right. Um, 700 plate appearances compared to 600 has a very, very hefty weight. You're right. You're right. I've lost track of time. Let's go to first base briefly here. You know who the good ones are, but um, and I know we have a first baseman in the later on in the all, hash all three of the good ones. All three of the good ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm exaggerating. But first base is nowhere near as exciting as anyone thinks it is. It isn't, and it's not as deep as you think either, because you're sitting there in round 14 without a first baseman. You're like, all right, Yuli Gurriel, Edwin Encarnacion. Maybe they do it again. Maybe not. You know, I just Joey Votto's not hitting 25 home runs. I don't think I have him ranked where you do. Um, give me a Where sleeper. Do you have Roto ranked. I'm curious about that. You That's another guy who has the big divide between uh, Roto and points. You got him 240 overall. Eric. Yeah, I'm not a buyer on Joey Votto. I am 240, and and that may be a little mean. But if he's going to hit 15 home runs about 270, then he's not worth drafting. Just but, not. But would you regard him a definitely draftable asset in a points league? Oh, absolutely. And this to show generally level? tailors to Roto points. This I is the still thing. want power, to be fair. I just, I love having power. So I probably still take, man, that's going to be 
this is going to sound dumb, but would I take Edwin and Gurriel over Votto? Probably. Because they have a better shot at hitting 30 home runs. Votto has no shot anymore. Okay. Sleepers and bus, um, Michael Chavis, who's second base eligible. You're going to want to draft him there. I think the bat's legit. 25 homers, 260. Um, right? That sounds fair. Yeah. But man, I don't see a lot of sleepers here. Jesus Aguilar bouncing back, <laughs> I guess. Dom Smith ain't going to play. Do you see any sleepers at first base? Christian uh, Walker is being underrated, but you have him ranked where he should be. Yeah. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, I guess. Why did you drop him down in your ranks? Because that's another situation where I'm not sure he's locked in at first base for the Yankees. I think right. that there, there's some question about what they're doing with their two corner spots. How about Evan White? People are going to say he doesn't have enough power. Don't tell me that. This baseball, I have no idea if it's going to be juiced or not. Evan White could end up with 18 home runs and about 290. He yeah, I'm, Votto. I'm I'm a yes and a no on Evan White because I don't, you know, as you Got mentioned, job. we don't. He's a defensively based prospect. He gets decent rankings in all the prospect lists because his defense is considered elite at that position. But I think he can contribute something with the bat. And what I would think here is that he's a points league sleeper and he's not a rotisserie league sleeper. Just because right. there's limited power and we don't know what the batting average is going to be. For I'll t- for me, I'll tell you this. I think it's Dominic Smith. I believe in Dominic Smith. I think that, that the growth he showed last year in a part-time role, if he could get a more expanded opportunity with well, the Well, that's Mets, the thing. We always say, just bet on the player and the playing time work itself out, but this correct. Mets team is such a mess. Like, they, they just don't know what they're doing. How is Dominic Smith going to get 400 plate appearances? I don't see it. I, I don't see it either, but they could find up. ways in the outfield. That, I mean, that outfield, I question their strategy for building an outfield, and I have for about three or four years. Oh, I and with that in mind... <laughs> They might throw him out there a decent amount. I don't know. Um, let's go to middle infield now. Second base, uh, Altuve, the only one in your top 37. That's fair. Um, and, I think Altuve is a pretty good bargain, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, and actually, the industry is very pessimistic on him. I've, I've seen him getting They're ADPs wrong. in the 40 range. They're wrong. They're wrong. I, I, I mean, he maybe he doesn't steal 15 more bases, but that's a thirty legit 30 home, 25 home run guy who could bat 300 every year. That's how I see it. Um, Cattell Marte is interesting because nobody thinks he's doing that again. But like, why? Tell me, tell me why Cattell Marte can't do that again. I'd like to know because last year's numbers were monstrous, and I'm looking at projections for him, and it's like 40 points of batting average off, 10 home runs off, fewer steals. Cattell Marte was great, and yeah. so it, he can't mimic the fly ball rate. What? Um, no, I actually think he can. The The real issue here is just that when you have a player who had everything go right to the extent that Cattell Marte did, history tells us that there's regression to the mean. That is not a negative. When you hear the phrase regression to the mean, it's not a, a, a loathsome well, criticism. It's not a positive. It, What's Cattell Marte's mean? Why see, I'll make, use regression to the mean as a positive thing for another player. I, I just wrote up another guy who I... I Looked at regression of the mean, and I said, this is a positive thing for the player. Right. He's going to be a lot more fortunate this season. I think in Cattell Marte's case, it's to, to sustain that level of batting average and power, that's asking an awful lot. I'll give you the batting average, because I don't project anybody at 329, ever. All right? But I don't know why the power can't be repeated. All right, so I'll ask you this. How much do you believe in a guy who showed a, a as significant an increase in hard contact rate as Marte? Do, do you believe the three years that came before it, or are you no. going to take that one-year sample? See, I'm going to go against you here because I know you, you're you a big three-year sample guy, but I don't think what he did in the past is relevant. He changed everything. It's actionable. So I'm not yeah. saying he's this good, but I'm saying he changed what he was to such a degree 
that I think 25 home, 25 home runs. Okay. I'm not saying 32. I'm not saying okay. 40. Yeah. But 295, 25 home runs. That's still a great player. Yeah. Amazing. And, and, and I, I think we're both ranking him as that. He's, he's a borderline top 50 overall for me, which I still think is a great ranking for him. I might not get him at that price, but you were applying what I think is the appropriate amount of regression of the mean. And again, it's not a negative. Sleepers and busts here. Um, Luisa Rise in Minnesota. That's a guy who could hit 300 easily. And there's not many we're projecting to do that. Nick Madrigal, the White Sox, same thing. Madrigal will steal bases. I think he's up in May. So if you think Nick Madrigal is going to hit 300 and steal 25 bases, draft him and put him on your bench and wait a month. That's how I view that. Yeah. Two and, two sleepers for you deeper here are Mauricio Dubon of the Giants yeah, same, yeah. Uh, and Isan Diaz of the Marlins. I think Isan Diaz could hit 25 home runs in about 230. My, that's my concern with him. I don't see him. I, yeah. but Another sleeper, Shed Long of Seattle. That's a, a volume guy who could who could like flirt with twenty twenty and bat like two fifty, but Seattle's going to play Shed Long and D Gordon. No, D Gordon's terrible. Mm. D Gordon's not a good fan. Not a good baseball player. Shed Long's a pretty terrible defender. I, I don't think Seattle cares or notices. Maybe yeah, but when a player has such questionable defense, this is the Miguel Andujar problem. You, you on a contender? Yes. Doubts. On a hundred loss team? No. Like I just don't think Seattle cares. Play him and see what yeah, happens. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they can and should, and I think that they will, but if it does get really ugly, I think it's going to cost them some at-bats. If they pull him for defense late in games, that impacts volume, going back to my previous point. Uh, Kevin Biggio needs to move in. Oh, he is. He's in my top 100 already. You don't have him there. I'm in. 2020 guy. T- ton of walks. Maybe bats only 260, but a 2020 guy with potential for more. Love Kevin Biggio. I'm seriously going to consider McNeil versus Biggio. One hits for average, but I don't buy McNeil's power. Biggio, I buy the power, I buy the speed, I buy it all. He didn't get so he get caught stealing. They're they're almost polar opposites of one another. Yes. I think McNeil is awfully safe in the batting average category, and there is without question a value in it. And by the way, that goes back to a rise. Your point there, very elevated batting average ceiling. In Biggio's case, the fluctuation in that one category is bothersome. He struck out a lot last year, and it was not characteristic of him in the minors. Shortstop is crazy deep, of course, but names to watch here. I mean, Glaber Torres. I've seen both sides of this. People, some people love him. Some people say it was all Baltimore, you know, fueled. Fernando Tatis, over-under on P. Like, does he play more than 130 games with the style that he has? People used to say that about Bryce Harper, and now he's durable. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Board. I want to be on board for the over, and I want to do it with confidence. And I'll tell you, there are so many drafts I've watched where people are drafting with confidence that he's playing 150-plus. He's a first-rounder in some drafts that you and I have been in. Yes, I've seen it in NFBC drafts where he's going really early, and people that we know, that we trust, that we trust, that we – Respect are saying Fernando Tatis is like the number 15 overall player. And I'm like, I just don't see it, but I, I guess it makes sense. 150 games, I think he gets there. But why are so, we writing it in pen? Permanent ink sounds like a dangerous thing. Well, because some will say you don't win a league or especially a league where you can't make moves unless you take chances. And if you want to take a chance on a guy in the second round, Fernando Tatis is that guy. Yeah. There's upside there for craziness. We were <laughs> There's 30, this, 30 upside there. We were in this boat with that Alberto Mondesi a year Grady ago. Grady Sizemore. This is a guy who could maybe Grady not... Sizemore. That's a good... Yeah, good... Right? Because I don't think Tatis is batting 330, but I do see a lot of homers, a lot of steals, but I, I actually, also don't know about missing playing time. I actually could see him batting 300-plus with 30-plus homers. Yeah. I think... I, I really don't question his skills with the bat. I think he's... <laughs> He's a pretty complete player with the exception of the injury question that does worry me enough to give him. I, I, 
I've been thinking about putting him in my top 20, and I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to do that based on the projection I have for him. Yeah, you have him 43, and I have, well, I have 25. My goodness. I'm okay. not going to get him. I, I know that. I, 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 I probably should move him down a little. That's a little high even for me. Uh, l- let's put it this way. If this is a dynasty ranks, he's oh, top 10. Yeah, he's top 10. There's, there's, why, why it's indisputable. We, people are going to look at Marcus Semien's numbers from last year and say, are these guys nuts? Why do they have him ranked in round eight? What's yeah. your answer to that? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I had him ranked significantly lower than this in my first set of rankings, and I realized after taking a closer look that I'm he's the AL Ketel Marte. Like, what's wrong here? Actually, I would argue he's done more for his skills profile than Ketel Marte has, and it's been over a longer period, over a three-year span. Everything's trending up, including the defense. Very important because it feels playing time on a team that likes to go with matchups. If he's a good defensive shortstop, he's going to play every single day as he <laughs> just did, uh, and the contact's been improved. Gives you something in every category. At 78, oh no, wait, no, 73 where I have him right now, I've been questioning whether I have him too low. Yeah, I think he needs to be like in the 50s. Um, where do you have him? I'm in the same spot you do, but that just could be because I copied your rankings. And <laughs> um, <laughs> there is a lot to like in this particular tier where, where Semyon <laughs> is, though. People are wondering how we do our rankings. Here's how. Tristan sends me an XL, and I like to move some <laughs> players around. Tim Anderson. I believe Kyle drafted him in labor last week. Sure did. And, um, you know, won a batting title. Power, speed. If we're going to downgrade Mankato on the Babbitt, don't we have to do that on Anderson? But it feels like we're doing it too much on Tim Anderson now. He 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 raises batting average like 100 points. But why can't Tim Anderson bat 276, his career mark? Is his career mark only because of last season? Maybe. 276 would be substantial regression. Um, yeah, but 276 with potential for a 2020 season still yes. gets him into the top 100, and we don't even yes. have him close. I feel like we're missing something. Yes, and I might be undershooting his value. I have a real issue with a player who had the BABIP. His was 399, I believe, which would also rank among the highest All in that, that same time span. Uh, and he walked, I believe it was 2.7% of the time. That's just dreadful. Dangerous. It's, it, what's dangerous for a batting average because you're relying on BABIP at that point. Yeah, I mean, the the you, you contrasted him against Moncada. Moncada's discipline skills, while not good, are certainly better than Tim Anderson's. And in Anderson's defense, he did improve his contact rate. That is a help. Sleepers and busts. Uh, Corey Seager does not do what you think he does, people. <laughs> if you look at his stats, now you have him ranked 109. That's fair. I don't know if I do, but like that's he's not doing what you think he's doing. He's not hitting thirty home runs ever. Uh, Elvis Andrews does not do what you think he does. He just doesn't. Um, I don't think Elvis Andrews is a, a poor player, though. I think he's no, no, he's fine. Adequate. But if he's not stealing bases, he's not helping because he doesn't have power. So like, I'm going to end up just not getting Corey Seager anywhere. No, I am ranked in my top hundred, but I'm going to move him down. He's just that's I'm too high. You have him in your top hundred. Yeah, but he's he, he's moving as I think about it. Because I have to update after the bets trade. Seager's going to move down. By the way, that could affect batting average spot on him. Because Peterson was a platoon player batting first. So Mookie's now batting first for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Seager might end up batting sixth or seventh all year. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Seager did the, the, the increase in injuries even after his return from Tommy John surgery was the thing that bugged me about him. Otherwise, I would, I would want to give you the optimistic outlook. Later on in your draft, um, I'm just not buying Luis Urias, and he's going to start the year coming off wrist surgery. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. No. And if that's you know, that, yeah, the injury is a problem. And if someone tells you Jose Peraza is Boston's everyday second baseman, you should draft him. Just ignore it. 
I don't see it. He's not. He doesn't steal enough bases. He has no power. You don't want him. And they're not going to do that. If you want a sleeper late, Carter Keboom is going to be Washington's third baseman by June. As Dribble Cabrera starts the year there, and then at some point Carter Keboom just hits like a monster in the minors and comes up. And I like that, that I like Carter Keboom. And I like S. Dribble as a, as a late pick. Cause he's really underrated. Every year his numbers are fine. Mm-hmm. If you need steals from this position, uh, I bet John Birdie's stealing 25. Now he's not a great overall player, but he's going to play for them, for yeah, Miami. Super utility. Yep. Right? I mean, yeah. if you're thinking John Birdie versus D. Gordon, take John Birdie. How about that? Uh, yeah, I, could get, I, could get, I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. I think Birdie has more to his game than D. Gordon does outside of the steals, which, yeah, I want a little bit more balance, especially these days in the <laughs> power nature as it is. I'll ask you, um, uh, Nico Horner for the Cubs. I know Javi Bai is at shortstop, but considering the second base question... Yeah, he could play second. Yeah, could, well, they could shift either of the two between those two spots... I'm not sure how that's going to play out here. And because this is his qualification position, we have to bring up Wander Franco. But the, so Wander Franco is a teenager. We did a video on him when we were in Bristol last week. And after we were done, I thought about it like, man, I just don't know if he's going to even get promoted at all this year. Like, why would Tampa do that unless they're in a race? They're not changing the ridiculous playoff thing this year. So I think Tampa can make the playoffs as a wild card now. Do you promote Wander Franco at 19 years old because he's the next A-Rod? Like, in a dynasty, you've got to get Wander Franco. But it, for this season, I doubt I'm drafting him. I love the subtle jab at the uh, proposed new MLB playoff structure. <laughs> I you know what? I don't, really hate, it. I don't hate it because I think it's kind of interesting. Like, you choose your opponent and it's like, be careful what you wish for, you know? I, yeah, the only reason why it... it it soured me. It was that it it's not my my football dynasty fantasy league, which does that. We we do the pick your playoff opponent. Oh, it's not you? a fantasy I love that. league. I love hmm? that. I do, I like it, and and you know you could persuade me on that part of it for MLB. I just I don't like this idea that we're we're going to allow a seventy nine win team to make the playoffs. The problem is, I think they would reduce the games from one sixty two to like one forty eight or something. That's fine with me. Uh, That's I'm, no, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I like the one sixty two game schedule. You can't pre- you can't compare. You know, home runs or, you know, wins from seasons if you're, you're I'd agree. taking away 20 games. I'd rather anyway. see it where it is now. I don't think there's, there's much that's wrong with it currently. But if you're going to play 162, then why are we making those 162 less important by having a 105 win team get in the playoffs? And a, I mean, a 79 win team would have made the playoffs this century with this I, I get proposed that. structure. I don't think that would happen because I think people would, teams would be more apt to trade for help to get into the playoffs. And by the way, it happens in our Sim League every year. 100-win teams lose in the first round. If you want to win the World Series, it's hard. Win in October. Yeah, but I don't want to see two teams in a league where it's 105 and 104 wins, and we know those are the two good ones, and then the one that's the number two seed back by one game ends up in a really rough spot going into the playoffs. I that, There's going to need to be some selectivity about that structure. Anyway, we're, we're, we're totally off the rails with it. <laughs> Who cares? We're talking about Franco. Who's going to stop us, Kyle? Franco. All right, um, Franco. I'll get great dynasty product, me, prospect. I'm say 100 PAs at the most. Yeah, and you know what? That is the right projection currently, but we only raise it because you don't want to assume the player can't force his way into a prominent role, especially in a team that is. I think that team is going to the playoffs. I think it is a good team, and Juan Soto did this with the Nationals two years ago. Nick Anderson. Going to save 40 games with 110 strikeouts. I, I think the Rays are going to be a very good team this year. And if he is a good spring training, Franco does, he could do what Juan Soto did two years ago. I agree. Uh, combo meals. The leaders from 2019, Christian Yelich had 11. 
Starling Marte, and Danny Santana, of all people. We never <laughs> talk about Danny Santana. Nobody thinks Danny Santana is doing this again. Uh, why can't he? And he's not going to hit that batting average. But I look at Danny Santana like Tim Anderson. Like, okay, yeah, maybe he drops 50 points of batting average, but the power and the speed might still be legit. Anyway, I think the question with Danny Santana is, does he hold a job regularly? Okay, or that. No, I don't. <laughs> That'd be a problem. Re- reading the tea leaves, or however the kids describe it nowadays, kids. it seems that that's the question. Not can he repeat the numbers. It's How that, can Texas he... not play him every day? Well, that's the thing. I I think he is going to hold a job. I just don't think he's going to be Santana all that special Danny Santana or player. Nick Solak in fantasy this season. Who was the Twins guy about five to eight years ago? He had a year like – it might have been him, too – who had a year like this, and the next year he regressed, and it was ordinary numbers, but he did play. Carlos Gomez. <laughs> it was it was a guy who had Danny Santana's plate discipline. It might again, it might have been Danny Santana. <laughs> I don't think he was. Let me check that. That's uh, a it's a good question. I mean, obviously, with that kind of plate discipline, this is why we talk about guys like that, and we're, we're concerned. It's, it's like Josh Rutledge. Wasn't it Josh Rutledge the Rockies dude that year? Walked like three percent of the time, struck out over twenty percent, and the next year he was just very ordinary. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just I see twenty eight home runs and twenty one steals, and I'm like, oh, come to Papa in round sixteen, and then I'm like, I don't really, I don't buy him doing it again. But oh my gosh, it was Danny Santana. It was not. It was where it was Danny Santana in 2014 when he batted 2014 in Minnesota. That but was... he had only seven home runs that year. <laughs> but yeah, that played yeah, horrific. Uh, yeah. So he's not batting 283, but if he bats 240 with 25 and 20, that's an old Mike Cameron season. I'll take that. What if it's 240, 15 and 20? That's not as good, obviously. I, I think it's going to be on the radar for mixed leagues. Uh, anyway, combo meal leaders, Yelich 11, Marte and Satana 6, and then a bunch with four. Brett Gardner, Ronald Acuna Jr., who I see everybody ripping now. He's not going to steal. Francisco Lindor, Ramon Laureano, Bryce Harper had four, and Jonathan Villar, who's a very interesting player in drafts too because, man, I, I mean, Miami will play him every day, and they'll let him run whenever he wants, but Villar has been so inconsistent in his career, so... I have a feeling I'm not going to be drafting Jonathan VR this season. I just I have a feeling I'm going to end up punting steals in a league or two. To be honest with you, yeah, I think I I would pay I would be all in paying for VR stolen bases and no thank you to all the rest of his game, which means I'm what are you get. more likely to punt steals or saves? If you uh, had a punt saves. one, saves. I feel like I I could punt both and get saves during the season. Yeah, see. The the difference between you and me on discussing the strategy is that I like to throw some darts on non-closer types at the onset of the year. I do I, that in Tout Wars all the time. There is always a guy that I'm pretty convinced works his way into the closer role, and I would say that more often than not, they do, and that's the way to fill that No category. trout, no bets on this combo meal list. Yeah. Over, under, trout, stolen bases. We did this in our videos last week. 15? I'll take the over, but I like your number. I don't know if I take the over anymore. And give me a sleeper here for common meals. Mine's Luis Robert of the White Sox. I bet this guy runs wild. That's interesting. And we are both picking prospects who are rookie eligible because I am picking Kyle Tucker. Nice. I, I like the severe ups and downs involved well, in Dusty play him, though. That's the thing. It's a sleeper. We didn't talk about the new managers and their effect on fantasy, but like Dusty has a reputation for not playing young players. And he probably will play Josh Reddick in April over Kyle Tucker, but I have a feeling Kyle Tucker will get in there plenty too. Somewhere. Yeah. I, I think there's going to be a time where he forces his way, his way in here. 
at the beginning of last year, you remember, I, I believe that Tucker was the more complete prospect than Jordan Alvarez, and it didn't go well. But... Maybe John Birdie gets like five combo meals this year. Oh, interesting. All right, we've waited long enough. It's time for some music, Hash Browns. I guess we should go quickly here because we don't have a ton of time, but there's a lot of them. So sure. Yeah, just go for it. We'll, we'll try to go quickly. Kyle, it's all yours. All right, Zach wants to know what your expectations are for Josh Bell this season. Fell off a cliff in the second half. Yeah, concerns me greatly. I'm probably not taking him if I have a top in the top hundred. I'm going to end up ignoring Josh Bell. I think he ends up hitting like 275 with 25 home runs, which is fine, but not something I want to covet. And he didn't didn't hit lefties, right? He, yeah the the adjustments he made. Uh, showed success only from the left-handed side of the plate. Yeah, that's a problem. So, like, I'm trying well, to see... most of the majors, pitchers are righty. They are. Um, but, man, that second half, like, you've got Bell over, and maybe I do too, over Goldschmidt, Matt Olson, Jose Abreu. I have a feeling I would fade Bell and try to take the, those guys later. Max Muncy. Why do you have Max Muncy number 100? I know I have Max Muncy higher than you. Like, that's legit numbers. Oh, yeah, I have 61. Team, volume. He plays every day. You want to talk about a guy who hits for power against right-handed pitching and lefties? Max Muncy, second base eligibility, 30 home runs every year. Give me Max Max Muncy over Josh Bell. Sounds crazy. I think I might. Oh, I do. I have Max Muncy ranked over Josh Bell. Wow. Wow. Okay. So it's not crazy to me, I guess. No. No, I don't. Yes, I do. I have Muncy 60 and Josh Bell 63. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, I'm glad I'm, I'm not the only one who Josh doesn't Bell. memorize his rankings at all. So I'm going to look at them t- today or tomorrow okay. and update. The, it's, the Muncy thing is just the Dodgers, their nature for for platooning. And you're wrong yeah. on Max Muncy. I think maybe I am, but again, we we cannot dispute the fact that the Dodgers like to mix and match. That is what they I do. I will not dispute that, but he ended up getting his numbers anyway. Josh Bell. 33 games. I'm picking a 33 game sample, and he slashed 270, 384, 557, and he hit 10 home runs in that 33 game sample. Do you know when it was? No. August 9th to the end of the year. So much for his poor second half. No, that's fair, but also if he's going to start Dominic Browning us, you know, every year, then I don't want it. Uh, that's really unfairly damning him, I think, because he's it got much very skills than It's very unfair. Don Brown had the one May when he was great. I he just, used his ballpark, and Josh Bell doesn't have that advantage here. All right, I, I erased that comp. <laughs> this is no, no. <laughs> it's fa- it's comp. fair to ask because it could be a one-year blip. But I think Bell versus Muncy is a fair comp because, and, like, who hits more home runs? Who has a higher batting average? I think I take Muncy on both. All right, I think on. Bell will out homer Max Muncy. Moving on, next. Salvador wants to know what Michael Conforto's ceiling looks like this year. Is there a chance he's a top twenty outfielder? Yeah, there's a chance I eat chicken parm every day for the next week. Um, the problem with Michael Conforto is I don't see him, I don't see any chance of him hitting near 300 or stealing double digit bases. Fair. He is what he is. His baseline is set now. He could hit a, a few more home runs. He already hit 33, but I don't see him stealing bases or hitting for average. So basically, he's just a, a home run a home run RBI guy. So which is fine, but. If he hits 260 along the way and steals six bases, no. Mm-hmm. And I'd agree almost 100% other than I point be Josh out Bell. he inched up his contact rate a little bit, and it's going right in the trends for his aging. So maybe he's a little bit better this year. 
Top 20 outfit. He might get to top 20, but I don't know if it'll be my much. I would probably not take Josh Bell in round six and take Conforto in round nine. Not that I don't want to turn okay. this into I Okay, I'd have a hard time arguing with that. All right, next. Matt wants to know how your roster is going to look after 10 rounds as far as a hitter-pitcher split. Every draft is different, Matt. Um, I will say this. I regard 15 or so starting pitchers as anchor types. I will try to get two, I believe, in normal leagues. Um, and then I will try to add another one or two in the first ten. So it's possible six hitters, four pitchers, no relievers, no catchers. Um, and, a, and a, I don't want to say standard. Like, a standard our standard is points. My stand, to me, is Roto. Um, points league, totally different. Points league, I would take relievers early. I would take more than one or two aces early. In a Roto, I I, I would say in a general sense, it's probably 6-4. Hitter pitcher? You? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's much more locked in in a points league, though. And I might be 5-5. Yes, five, five totally different in points. But I, I can get so much power in a roto league later. Nobody's going to want Jorge yep. Soler late. Nobody wants Conforto until round 12. Like, it's, I can get power later yeah. and on. But I can't. You know what? And this is a total flop for me over years past. I don't want to take chances on my fifth and sixth starters anymore in a, in a straight roto league. Yeah. Or even a points. The volume is down enough that, that even I, you know I like to do that, that... uh the uh, adjusted uh what do you call it the modified something the modified Labadini, Labadini plan yeah. is not as good a plan today as it was even 5 years ago. I mean I see a, a number of starting pitchers you have ranked outside the top 200 who I would take who I do kind of trust more than you, Minor, Michaelis, Manaya, only pitchers whose last name starts with them, by the way. But man, I, I don't want to take I want to make sure I have 3 or 4 starting pitchers I can trust. So that's sure. top 100 starting pitchers. Sure. Right. And again, as you said, I, th- I think th- th- those numbers, depending on the league format, vary more this year than they ever have during the history of the game for us. Yep, I agree. Next. We'll get out of here on one last one. A dynasty question head-to-head. Caleb wants to know who you got, Shane Bieber or Patrick Corbin? So there's a buddy of ours, Tristan, who doesn't does not understand my take on Shane Bieber. <laughs> and you know who it is. Yep. And I – why can't he do it again? Now I like Corbin. Corbin's safer. He's done Is it. He? He's well. He's done it before. He's done it more than just one year. So that to me means safer, but maybe not. Shane Bieber. Corbin's is, older. He's got to be older, right? Yep. He is six years older. That's a problem in a in a dynasty. Is it a problem? I yep. want to win in the next five years. Is that a problem to take Corbin over Bieber? No. If you're committed to winning now, which I almost always am. But like you've got ranked Bieber twelve, Corbin fourteen. So the same. But that's not a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I approach things in a dynasty kind of the same. I want to win now, you know. So I, you know, and generally it doesn't hurt me too much. Oh man, I don't even have them close. I have Bieber twenty nine and Corbin sixty. I have Bieber ranked too high. I'll agree with that. He's ranked high just because there's really aren't any <laughs> any more trustworthy arms outside the top six or so at the but position. I don't. I don't I want to move him below any of the other starting pitchers I've ranked behind him. Flaherty, Sale, I'm nowhere near Sale this season. Snell, Kershaw, Clevenger. I just think Bieber 29 is too high. He should be like 39. That's that's my yeah, okay, okay. fair adjustment. Bieber, there. Bieber's biggest concern for me is I think the, the volume comes down a little bit. That he hovers in the 190 to 195 inning range. and that Why would volume go down? Young arm. Because healthy. so much went right. He had three complete games and two shutouts. All I right. mean, it's a lot of innings. Yeah. Yeah. In this, in this day and age, that's a lot. 
in this day and age. But um, six years younger in a in a dynasty league, it's got to be Bieber here. Yeah, I probably agree with that. All right, uh, and then Frankie keeps asking us on Twitter, even though he can just email us, are we doing the Vampire League? I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. We'll see. Ooh, I don't know. Um, Zach's question, quality starts instead of wins. Would you do quality starts instead of wins if you could? I like. I like. I don't like wins as a category. I don't either. Especially but... when it's it's up to like a man, a sixty year old man, just making a decision on who gets the win. And sometimes it's this, the guy who pitches the sixth inning in relief, and sometimes it's the guy who pitches the ninth. Stop Gosh. doing this. The the I I'd agree with you, but and sometimes errors the... are like just like that looks like an error, but he didn't touch it. And earned runs get affected, like official scores, man. I, I, yeah, you know, if I could trust that official scores could assign the win to the most effective pitcher in every single baseball game, regardless of any rules and how far they went, that you hand the win out to the most effective pitcher in the game, I'd be on board. Sign me up for wins every yeah. time, but that's not the way the rule. Works. And also, Jake Degrom ain't winning eighteen games ever on that team, so you know. I guess he could if Some they scored enough luck. runs. Some of that was bad luck the past two seasons. Uh, well, with a new manager, they have a shot. They, the problem you, you picked a question that's really a ten minute debate. No, you're the right. the only not. concern I have on this, and I don't have the numbers handy. I'm sorry for that, but I believe it was about eight percent of all starts last season were openers. That kills quality starts as a category. Yeah, it doesn't kill wins. But you, it's not a quality start if Ryan Yarbrough pitches the sixth to the seventh. Correct. So when uh, when the the follower of innings. the opener goes six innings and gives up less than three earned runs, he does not get the quality start. You for know what? Kills the category. No wins, no quality starts. Just make it innings. That's a better love stat innings. Now. You know I love innings yes. as a category. If I could start a league now, it wouldn't have wins. It wouldn't have. It would. It would have innings and and saves plus holds because I saves are ridiculous too. More pitchers are getting saves, but not a lot of them. So. And I do like holds, you know. I mean, I think that's an important category. I that do guy think in San Diego, to, Munoz might get thirty of them. I do think we need to change the win designation. I think that is the solution. Well, I don't think we're changing it anytime soon. I think I don't we're done think we for ever today. will. But <laughs> so anyway, that was a good show. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week, once a week in February, and then twice a week uh, in March at some point, and then during the season as well. That's what they're telling us, and that's what we're going to do. Maybe we'll have some big trades in the next week. Uh, pitchers and catchers are re- reporting next week, right? So no, they're reporting now. This week. They started yesterday. They started yesterday. So, uh, But games will start next week. That's what I meant. Yep. Um, so that's kind of cool. Maybe Jack Peterson will get traded before then. Maybe Chris Bryant. Who knows? Anyway, we are done. Thank you so much for listening to our little show for Kyle Sapi, who does a great job, and Tristan, who also does a great job. I'm kind of average, but I'm trying. This has been Fantasy Focus Baseball. We'll talk to you next week. Have an awesome week. Everything is awesome. Darkness.